Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Spotlight Conversations. I am honored and quite frankly, excited to have joining me today a wonderful vocalist, musician, producer, arranger, and educator in the person of Miss Irene Yelenti. Welcome to Spotlight Conversations. Hello. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So so let's get started. Um, When and where were you born and who were your early musical influences? I was born in Italy in a small industrial city called Terni, which is in the middle region of Umbria. Uh, my city is about an hour from Rome, and uh, I was, you know, I was born and raised there. I always lived there uh, before I moved to the United States. Um, my musical influences really were a little bit all over the place because my father uh, owns a, a music store, so I grew up in, you know, in this music store where my father was selling. CDs and cassette tapes <laughs> and vinyls and some uh, instrument accessories. And so by growing up there, I really was exposed to so many different kinds of music. Um, and I, I really liked that because it, it made my musical choices more subjective, like they were uh, my choices because I listened to a lot of music. And my father, you know, he, he always... Uh, exposed me to to different kinds of music, Italian music, uh, jazz music, Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra, Louis Armstrong, uh, but also opera, because my grandparents, uh, they were both opera singers, and my mother, she loves opera, so we, you know, we would listen to anything, and then when I was a teenager, that's when I got into a little bit more of a rock path, I loved the Queen, uh, the British group. Uh, that was my biggest love when I was when I was in uh, in middle school, and then I just naturally gravitated towards Nina Simone because of her very similar range uh, of voice. Tracy Chapman, huge influence in my life. Um, Desiree and a lot of like Stevie Wonder. You know, just good music. I just love music. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're from Italy, and Italian cuisine is one <laughs> of my, my is one of my top five to enjoy. Trust me. Can you cook? Can I cook? Are you crazy? You know, in Italy they don't give you a passport if you can't cook. <laughs> <laughs> what's your What's your favorite dish to make? I really, it really depends on the season. Um, I love making, you know, focaccia and, and pizza. I love to make some more regional dishes that are from my region and the Lazio region, like, uh, you know, pollo alla romana, Roman style chicken, uh, ciriole, which is a very, very typical of my hometown kind of pasta, which is eggless. It's just flour, water, and salt. Um, I like hand. Actually, really, really enjoy hand make uh, hand making pasta. I love like you know just spending time and you know the old 
old grandma kind of things. I guess that's a little bit in me. Nice, nice.、Uh, yeah, I will. You know, my son lives in Baltimore, and I do come to Baltimore from time to time. So I would like to. Oh, are you inviting yourself over for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I could do a look. I could do a drive by, and everything would be fine. I'd just be like honk honk, and I'd come get the dishes. See you later. <laughs> you know that But, sounds、um, fine to me. <laughs> how difficult a decision was it for you to leave、uh, your home and in pursuit of your dream? Say it again. How how difficult was it for you to leave Italy in pursuit of your dream? Um, initially, I mean, there was a lot of excitement, so there was like that that drive that really makes makes the move easier. But I gotta say, you know, when、uh, when I was at the the night, you know, the night before leaving, packing and、um, and then going to the train station and then the airport,、uh, that that was really hard. That that is that really was the moment in which I realized I'm leaving everything and everybody behind. I'm leaving my family behind, all my best friends, and that that was really hard. But there was, you know, the drive was very very strong, and I I've been so fortunate to to have the support of the people who love me.、Um, I know there was a. Slight disappointment on my father's side because he really wanted me to take over the music store, but also at the same time, you know, he understood that it was just my call, and I really wanted to move forward with this music career and give it a try before giving up. <laughs> and、mm. so, you know, it's 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 always hard leaving home. It's always hard, but you. I don't know. I guess for me, the drive was very strong, and it helped me navigate the first uh, uh, couple of months in a very healthy way. But then you get homesick. <laughs> you really get homesick. So it's it's mixed feelings. It's always hard. I don't think anybody. I mean, unless you're leaving home for you know as a refugee for some you know terrible、um, event, when it's just mainly because of. You know, you wanted to create a career for yourself. That's、uh, it's it's hard. It's、yeah. hard. Why did you、um, Why did you choose to settle in Baltimore as opposed to your other adopted city of New York? Well,、um, it's kind of like Baltimore chose me in some way because I was I, I really you know as an international person. You have to find the best ways to to move here, and I thought you know going to school and learning about this this music was the best way. And、um, it was very difficult in a city like New York to be granted a full scholarship. And、um, you know, I come from you know a middle class、uh, family, but education in Italy it's nowhere near. As expensive as in the United States, so my family didn't have savings for me to spend 120 grand in、uh, in, in in music, in my education, and、uh, so I had to lean and I had to、um, really hope to be granted a full scholarship somewhere or as high as possible amount of money that I could get to make this happen, 
And uh, in New York, it was difficult because there's a lot of students. It's a saturated market, and they don't give more than eight, ten grand for the most uh, a, a year, and it's not enough. It wasn't enough for me. And somebody uh, mentioned the, you know, the Peabody Conservatory of Baltimore, and uh, I looked at the map. I was like, you know what? I really want to be in New York, but this is not too far. And it's close to D.C., and uh, it's close to Philadelphia, so let me give it a try. And, you know, I went and I did my audition, and and I was granted a full ride, a uh, full scholarship to Peabody. And so uh, I went, and um, and I started doing my performances here. And then I decided to go for a master's, master's degree, and I went to Howard University in D.C. because during my first year at Peabody, I bumped into this amazing vocal jazz ensemble called Afro Blue, and they are Howard University premier jazz ensemble. And since that moment on, I was like, I have to be part of this group. I love voices. I love harmonies. I want to be part of this group. And uh, so I stayed in the area, uh, and I auditioned for for that, and I and I got into that. And so, you know, one thing after the other, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, education, as you as you just stated, is a major part of your life. I understand you teach as well. Where where is that? I teach in uh, Syracuse University in upstate New York. So I I have a long commute every week. <laughs> I go up on the Mondays and uh, I come back on Thursdays. Every single week I go to Syracuse. What do you teach? I teach uh, jazz and commercial voice, so I do one-on-one uh, individual lessons, and I also direct one of the jazz uh, choirs. So I'm kind of like extending what I was doing at uh, Howard University because I was a teaching assistant at Howard University, and I was doing exactly the same thing, teaching one-on-one lessons and directing, uh, directing a choir. So you you are definitely a people person. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you are, because that, that really showed... Uh, shined through when I um, I saw your concert at um, Keystone Corner on October the 21st, and it was just it was just an amazing uh, it was an amazing concert, and and you know I saw how you related to um, you know to the audience, and it was it was just fantastic. Um, Thank you. How was that for you? How, now I know you performed there before, but how, this one yeah. was different. But what made this yeah, so this, different? Well, this was different because it was my CD release concert, so it was the very first time in which I performed all the tunes from the record, and I really had a 100, um, you know, 100% honest, true reaction from the audience. And that was very important because, you know, when you when you write, when you arrange something, you're in very vulnerable space and to present your own music, um, it's scary. <laughs> it's so scary. It's very, very, I mean, especially for me, I'm kind of new to this in terms of like presenting my original music. And um, so I was, you know, it's, it's scary, but I, I knew at the same time that, you know, people that were there, they were there out of love. And so I I felt very very safe in a in a way, but it was it wasn't you know I was I was excited and nervous, 
um, and it was just beautiful to see, you know, for the following days, the messages, the comments on Facebook and Instagram and just getting so, so much love uh, and uh, such a positive response. It was very, very encouraging. Yes, that's that's fantastic. Who uh, accompanied you uh, on on the uh, uh, concert? I had the wonderful Alan Blackman on piano, who is my my number one collaborator. He also co-arranged a few songs on the record, and um, he's always been such a staple figure in my in my career here in uh, in Baltimore. So I love working with him. We we have very similar musical tastes, and so. It makes everything easier. I had the great Obasia Cotto on bass, who recently moved from Canada to Baltimore, and we really needed somebody as talented and gifted and a real educator like him in the community. And then I had on drums the <laughs> the one and only Eric Kennedy. You know, Eric is a great musician. Playing with him is always a lesson. And uh, his soul shines through for me. It's uh, he's he's, a, he's one of my best friends. So I really love the fact that I can, you know, that I could share the stage with uh, not only beautiful players but such amazing souls. We are planning Thanksgiving together, so you know that's real. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, and you can see the um, uh, with the interplay with with all of your your musicians that you had with you but uh between you and uh and Eric on the drums that was that was just something really nice to uh to witness yeah we we love to have fun and we are a little silly so we have our own jokes and i think that that really helps me to feel better on stage you know cuz i know he gets my jokes and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> Um, right here, I want to take a little break but, so that we can listen to one of the um, compositions from off of your CD. I want to start with Beautiful Love. It's the opening of the record. I think it's the best choice as the first tune. Okay, and where did that uh, title come from? What does it mean? So, Beautiful Love is uh, is a, it's a standard. It's an old jazz standard. Is almost 100 years old. And um, I was always in love with this tune um, since I first sang it. And last year, right before I went into the studio, I I got inspired by some Brett Meldau uh, record that I was listening to. And uh, I came up with this arrangement that really made the song a lot more personal. And um, I am excited about the fact that the song features the amazing trumpet player Sean Johns, who uh, recently moved to Baltimore. So I, I just feel like this song is very, very special. And um, I, I really wanted to have the opening of my record with something that would start off with my voice. No intro, just voice. And... Uh, you will hear after the first chorus that I go into some um, vocal solo with uh, layering of different vocals. And uh, that is really Irene. That is very me. <laughs> so that is beautiful love. Okay. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be back on the other side 
with Spotlight Conversations and the fantastic Irene Yalenti right after this. Beautiful love, you're all a mystery. Beautiful love, what have you done to me? I was contented till you came along Thrilling my soul with your song Beautiful love, I've roamed your paradise Searching for love, my dreams to realize Reaching for heaven, depending on Come true. Will my 
ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to uh, Spotlight Conversations. And you heard just a fantastic rendition and arrangement of a classic composition, Beautiful Love, by Irene Yalenti. And she's back with us. Uh, thank you for hanging around with uh, Clayton for a little longer. It's, uh, it's really an honor for me to have you. Thank you. My pleasure. Um, you know it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You speak six languages, I understand. Is that right? Well, I sing in um, five, I think, in five. And uh, I do speak, you know, two very fluently, which are Italian and English. I mean, I hope I speak English fluently. That's up to you <laughs> to tell me. Um, and <laughs> and um, I speak very well uh, Portuguese, and uh, I survive in Spanish uh you know, in Spanish countries, because Spanish and Italian are very, very um, similar. And I grew up listening to Spanish music and I collaborate with a lot of Latin, uh, Latin American musicians. So with them, I practice a lot of my Spanish and um, I did study French. So I do sing in French and I, I can survive in, in, in Paris. But that would that would be probably the least of all the five languages because I never practice it. Okay. <laughs> well, um, after I heard you sing at Keystone Corner, I beg to differ. I heard you doing some dynamite scatting. <laughs> that's that's another language to me. I'm telling you, scatting is like amazing, and you thank you. You uh, you're just amazing at that that art of scatting. It's just uh, who who I um, love it. Yeah, who do you who did you like to hear scatting? What made you decide to uh, basically perfect it? Because I think you perfected that art. I couldn't even. I can't. You know what? I I I don't know exactly who, uh, because I've always been listening to this kind of music. So you know, of course, you listen to Ella, and she's the queen. Uh, she's she really is the queen of scat singing and of this music in general. Um, I. You know what I think? I think really seeing Diddy Bridgewater performing live um, was would, made me even more interested in it, in doing this. But what happened for me and sketch singing and improvising in general was the relationship that I created with uh, a saxophone player in Italy, who really was the first person who told me, "I need you to do jazz music." Like I, I think he would be perfect for that kind of music um i was with uh, my very first uh, professional commitment and i was probably 19 years old um you know all the things i did before were free this was my very first paid gig and uh, i was playing with uh, this group of people and we were doing uh, rhythm and blues like old rhythm and blues and soul and uh the saxophone player was a special guest with the group and uh his name is Lorenzo Fontana, and he was like, yeah, let's do something on stage. I'm going to play something, and you'll just respond to that. And he really got me started to sketching and to, to improvising, because he, he did it old school. You know, I play something, and you respond to me. It's going to be a musical conversation. And that's really what got me started. And, uh, and then, you know, down the road, I, I, I started transcribing, which which is uh, something that jazz musicians do a lot. And um, it, it is memorizing, you know, note by note, uh, dynamic by, by dynamic, 
word by word other people's um, improvisations. And so I started with Ella and then Sarah and I landed to, you know, I landed to John, Hen- to John Hendricks, who I love so much. And, you know, all of them influenced me, all of them. I can I cannot exclude anybody because they they really are the masters at this kind of music. And there is such a big freedom in, in improvising. I, I don't mind the risks uh, that come with that because very often, you know, I'm, I'd be wrong <laughs> on stage. But it's, it's, it's the fun of it. It's also, you know, it's, it's the fun part of it. Just letting yourself go and be a little vulnerable maybe and uh, just have fun with the other musicians. The listening part of uh, improvising is crucial. Listening to each other. You can really, you can really create a strong musical connection with the other musicians in that moment. Right, right on the spot. I like to, to sometimes describe it as, um, you know, the whole improvisation thing as, you know, a, a group of people or a few people sitting on the sitting on the porch drinking lemonade and telling jokes with each other. <laughs> yeah, you know? it, it's, it's similar. It's like you said, it's a conversation, and um, uh, you know, the scanning part you got that down pat. And even if you, you know, the funny part is even if you make a so-called mistake or whatever when you're when you're scanning or whatever, it still sounds like it goes all together. <laughs> you know, it's just you know, what can you say? It's all it's all part of the stew. You know, let's get let's Yeah, get you know, we are humans. Nobody yeah. can not make mistakes. I mean I I remember the first time that I bumped into a Ella Fitzgerald record and um and she was doing a thing live and she made a mistake. It was great. I was like she's human. Yeah. She's one of mm-hmm. us. If yeah. she can make mistakes, I can allow myself and forgive myself for making some, mm. you know. Yeah, I remember listening to um, something that she was doing live, and she forgot the words to the song. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But she just <laughs> That's kept, Ella. She just kept going, and she just kept going, and it was dynamic. I'm telling you, so I agree with you 100%. Um <laughs> What is the connection between music in general, but jazz and poetry in particular? What do you think the connection is between those? For me or or in general? Well, for you. Well, for me, um, for me, poetry has always been very... They're a huge part of my of my of who I am because I so th- there is this thing in Italy that we do. Um, I mean, they, we used to do. I don't know if they do it uh, still. But um, when I was in school, elementary, middle school, even high school, um, one of the things that the students have to do is memorize poems. It's you know it's for memory purposes. It's for studying the literature. And I always loved that part. And I, I guess the reason why I loved it is because my father is a huge poetry um, lover. So he has all these poetry books and um, he would help me to memorize these poems by reading them in a very dramatic way, gotta say. He, he would get into it, like acting and all of that. 
And so I um, I always felt very, very connected to poetry. So even, you know, coming out of middle school, going into high school, I would buy these this books of poetry. Um, because sometimes they are not very, sometimes they're very direct and they tell you exactly what they're about. Other times they are more abstracts and they allow your imagination to to work a little more. And um, and there is something extremely musical about poetry. Sometimes they rhyme, sometimes they don't, but they're always extremely musical. It's a very, I do I do believe that writing poetry is very similar to writing music, um, because you you look for words that are in harmony with the rest of the words. You look for sounds in poetry. It's not just what you're saying, but it's how you're saying it, what kind of words you're using. And so for me, the correlation was, it's always been strong, always been, I never had to think about it. It's always been very natural. And uh, and you know, you know, because you, you came to the performance and I talked about it and you, you have the record, I do incorporate poetry into my my music, into my original music. Um, sometimes when I read a poet a poem, I I can hear a song and I and I mm-hmm. I incorporate that. It's very and in other other in other instances like in Alma Desnuda, which is my first single from the record, the 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 poetry actually incorporated itself into the music. <laughs> mm. That that comment that you just made made me feel so good because I often tell people, um, you know, when I'm coming up with how I do my features, because what I do is a lot of times um, if I get a, a poet that I'm featuring, you know, they sometimes give me acapella um, poetry and send it to me and then I match it up with some jazz musicians or, or a group that I think flows well with their flow of the poetry. So when I mm-hmm. hear music, sometimes I can hear poetry as well and vice versa. When I hear poetry, sometimes I can hear, you know, music. And it's funny that you would uh, that you would say that because I agree with you 100%. Um, I mean, all art forms, you know, I all the art forms are are, are correlated. They mm-hmm. kind of depend one on each other, like poetry and music. Also, you know, visual arts like painting and music. There are so many painters that paint listening to a specific kind of music mm-hmm. because it, it gets you into a certain mood. Like if you, if you look at um, Kandinsky's work, he would only paint with music in the background and same thing you know dancing dancing and music like all these art forms are one thing that go coexist together mm-hmm. and, and kind of like we need each other all the art forms need each other and i love that dependency because it enriches us mm. to me <laughs> yeah if if jazz were a person what would it look like if jazz was a person, I don't know. Um, I don't know, you know, because jazz has different phases. Mm. Jazz can be elegantly dressed. 
and it can also be extremely casual. Um, jazz can be clean and then dirty. Um, I, I would think that that would be very difficult for me to describe because I feel that jazz is one of those kinds of music that really appeals to different kinds of people. And so mm-hmm. for me, it could be a man and it could be a woman. It could be could have curly hair or short, short hair. It could be anything. Um, it could be any kind of, of, of person. To me... So I can't, um, give you a short, I, can't, I can't give you a straight answer for that. To me, jazz would look. Someone asked me that, and I said it would. It looks young, like like a child, even though it's um, it dates back years and years. It always, to me, it always sounds so fresh. You know, I always mm. hear something when I listen to it. It tends to surprise me sometimes, and then it tends to be temperamental at times and contain different phrases. Um, that's to me. That's like childlike. Sometimes it mm-hmm. takes you places you've never been before or places where you've been that you would like to get back to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting because yeah. I actually, like, if you put it in that perspective, to me, I see jazz as a wise, older person with mm-hmm. a lot of things to tell, with a lot of life uh, on their back. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I like that we see it in, in, in we see the same thing in uh, in two different ways, because yeah. I, it could also be that it could be both. <laughs> right. You know, that's the thing. It could be like a young person with uh, a deep life and a story. Yeah. You know. Yes, yes, yes. definitely. Um, what are three things that you would like members of your audience, um, you know, to, that listen to your performances? What would you like them to walk away with? Three things. Uh, well, for sure, one of the things that I want, I really hope that people walk away with is a lasting memory. Like I don't, you know, sometimes you go and you see music and you leave and it didn't leave anything at all. Um, and there's no mark. I, 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 I always hope to leave something to the audience that can stay with them for a long time. Um, I also want them to feel emotions, whatever they are, because somebody might relate more to an up-tempo tune that's happy. Somebody might relate more to a slower thing and more, you know, meditative kind of song. Um, But I, I want each one to be touched by at least one moment in the performance. And um, and the third thing would be, I just want them to leave feeling better about their day <laughs> hmm. uh, in general. Because sometimes people really, you know, they come to the performance and they might have, you know, they might be going through something. We all go through something. They might have had a bad day, a bad week, uh, a year of struggling, but maybe in those, you know, 90 minutes, they feel better and maybe they can sleep better that evening. I, I really want people to feel good at mm. the end of the gig. I want them to leave with a smile and just, just happy. 
Yeah, that's that's really how you how you made me feel. Um, <laughs> I've had a, no, seriously, because I, I've had a, a, a pretty um, pretty devastating actually couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. You know, leading up to um, you know my wife uh, uh, crossing over, and um, that was only when I came down there was only about the third time that I've been really out of the house around people, um, mm. you know, since all of this has been taking place. So it was definitely a nice release for me. When I told my son that I was coming down to Baltimore and he said, oh, it's about time. You need to get out the house, you know. And <laughs> um, when I when I came to see your performance, it really made me feel good because I love listening live um you know i like live music but my favorite is jazz um so i like listening to live uh, performances and you know with covid and everything else that we've had going on you know that hasn't been available um so it was really a nice release uh for me talk about how you came up with the um the idea of your new cd dawn it came to me magically uh, last year, you know, during the pandemic lockdown. And um, it was very organic because everybody who knows me knows that I've been always reluctant to um, put out an album. Although, you know, I had the um, the knowledge that that is a career sitback. Pretty much you, you're, you're staying where you are without a record. I just... Um, didn't want to do it because it never felt uh, like I was ready to it. It never felt natural, never felt right. And uh, something was was missing. But, you know, last year I had so much time to dig into myself a little bit um, through journaling and through listening to my my uncle's uh, record, who was you know you know the story my uncle was a phenomenal classical guitar player and uh, i have um these two records and one is one in particular i listen to all the time and um and this journaling thing but while listening to my uncle really really unlocked some things inside of me and uh and I, I I started writing songs, not even thinking about going into the studio. I was just writing, and I was just playing around music. And um, at some point, I had this music, and I felt like, wow, this could. I think that this is it. I felt like this is this is it. And I went to Alan, and I was like, so I have this music. What you think? And I sent him this terrible demo that I have done in my computer on my computer with my horrible piano play <laughs> and, <laughs> and this, you know, me and my trying to do things. And Alan was like, "This is we need. I agree with you. We need to go into the studio." And uh, and so it was very quick. It was very natural. It was very organic. And um, for the very first time, I thought. I really felt ready, and for the very first time, I felt like, especially after listening to the final product, I didn't feel scared about people listening to it. I acknowledged that there's going to be people who might not like it, but I am fine with that 
because I really like it because <laughs> it's it was supposed to happen and it was the right time and um I wouldn't change a thing about it yeah I, um when I got home or the day after I put the album on for my youngest son he's 25 but I put it on for mm. him and he's and he's a he's a poet in his own right but I put the the album on and said check this out and he listened to it and he was like I really like this I really like this yeah. album so um you know he's a he's a heck of a critic so I, I you know I listened to him a lot especially since he's a younger person so right. and you know they like hip-hop and all that kind of stuff you know but he he stretched out he said hey man this is really nice so um, nice. You, you Hello, I, I need young folks. <laughs> <laughs> I need them, yeah. you know. Yeah, I need young people to, to get a little closer to jazz and to come to performances and to support this art form. So right. so it's encouraging that somebody younger uh, would vibe with it. Well, yeah. Yeah, he definitely vibed with it because he was quiet. And he just sat <laughs> and listened to it. And then we flipped the album over. You know, I miss those days where you could turn the record over and listen to the other side. Oh, you were playing the record. I love it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. I played and listened to this. Listen to the, you know, it's just a different, the sound is better, if you ask me. I love the sound of vinyl. I just do. Um you know, CDs okay, and they're clear and all that kind of stuff, and MP3s. But give me the sound of vinyl. I want to put that needle on the record mm-hmm. and let it go around and around and just listen to it. You know, I think the sound is much better. My opinion, of course. Um, so, uh, where can my listeners pick up this fantastic uh, release, Dawn? And when are you performing next? So my next performance is going to be in uh, in the D.C. area. I'm going to be at the Strathmore, and by Strathmore in Bethesda, Maryland, but it's, it's more Washington, D.C. And it's going to be on November 19th at 8 p.m. And they can pick up your CD where? You have a website or... So, yes, absolutely. I have all the links to all the platforms on my website, which is ireneyalenti.com i-r-e-n-e-j-a-l-e-n-t-i dot com and as soon as you get into my homepage you'll see all the all the all the links um yeah I'm, I'm making very very clear on my homepage that I got a record <laughs> <laughs> yeah front and center is right there you open it up you know it's right I'm there. a salesperson <laughs> <laughs> what kind of uh in closing, what kind of advice would you give to people who aspire to a career in um, the arts? Uh, God be strong. You have to, uh, well, you have to be strong and you have to be humble. Uh, these two things together can clash. Um, you have to be humble. You have to allow other people more mature people to guide you try not to be cocky but at the same time don't let somebody's comment deter you from doing what you want to do um 
And that's where the strength part comes in. I'm going to give you this example. In uh, This must have been 15 years ago, way before I moved here. Um, I was working with this producer. Uh, I went to Milano to work with him for two or three days. And we just did some demos. He was, you know, he was into it. And um, he disappeared after that. So after maybe a month or two, I was able to, to get in touch with him. And he told me this. He said, you know, I talked to my partner and we listened to the stuff that we were working on and we don't want to move forward because we think your voice is not marketable enough because it's too deep. If I would have listened, I know, but if I would have listened, that's his opinion. If I would have listened to him, and I did, but I, I got out of that, but I could have, well just give up so the thing is this you know you have to accept that not everybody's gonna love you not everybody's gonna dig what you do uh but there's always gonna be somebody who is going to and so you gotta be strong when people tell you that you they don't like you because people are gonna be telling you that they don't like what you do why don't you do this why don't you do that um you cannot let that stop you. So you got to be strong and you got to be humble. You got to listen to guidance and then really understand what advice to take and what not to. Um, that would be my my number one advice. And then I would tell, you know, to somebody who wants to be an artist, who wants to be a musician, go out and play. Play, stop being in your bedroom. You know, I, I, I teach and all these kids be practicing in their bedroom. My school was the stage. I went to school, I was well in my 30s. All I learned was from playing with musicians because they gave a meaning to what I then learned in school. So go out, be with people that are better than you. Learn from them. Don't be scared to play with people that sound better than you. You want to play with them. You want to absorb as much as possible from them so that your you, your art form can be improved. Mm. Some sound advice coming from a remarkable, uh, remarkable talent, uh, Miss Irene Yalenti. And I would just like to say, you know, I wish you continued, continued success in all of your endeavors. I will be getting back down to see you perform. I have I didn't get enough to do that. I'm telling you, I really am gonna come down. And I'm going to Thank um you. you know, I'm really gonna spread the word about your uh your um artistry and, and and just how great, you know, that I think it is and hopefully uh um other people will feel the same way as I do. So in closing, anything you'd like to say, you got the floor, shoot. <laughs> well, thank you for everything that you that you said. Thank you for the support, for coming down all the way to Baltimore, and uh, and I definitely want to come to Philly. So we'll we'll keep talking because I want to perform in Philadelphia a little more. I, I was at Christmas only once or twice, so I definitely want to be back there. Um, and I I just you know I just want to encourage people that are listening to keep. Um, supporting this art form, especially after 2020. 
um, we've been without music for a little too long. So I, I invite people to get out of the house to go and support live music. Even if you know you go and you don't like that performance, go to another one. Give it, give it, give it a try every time. Experience something different. And um, we, we artists, you know, with musicians, we really rely on live performances, especially today. Independent, you know, independent artists like me. So go out, listen to some music. Go grab a bite at some nice jazz club, some performing center. And um, keep supporting us because uh, we need we need an audience. I always say that we are nothing without the audience, and it's it's true. So that would be my my saying on this: just come out and see us perform. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, I had a good time speaking with you. And uh, me too. Yeah, this was fun. This I told you, I told you it was going to be a good time. I knew, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, again, I'd like to thank uh, um, this very talented arranger, producer, uh, vocalist, musician, Miss Irene Yalenti, for joining us here on Spotlight Conversations. And um, we'll see you next time. Peace. Of course. Bye.